You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. gentlemen welcome to locked on seminoles i'm your host max and today is know your foe sitting across the zoom room from me i've got jake lane he is the podcast director at the state of louisville.com he's also the host of from the pink seats sorry took me a second he's got new names this year we met jake and his in his co-host last year uh they came on our old show Knowles anonymous so now everyone's got new names same faces how are we doing, man? How's life up in Louisville? I am doing well, man. First of all, thanks for having me on. Always great to talk Louisville football. I do it uh, quite a bit here, but I never get tired of it. So always glad to talk talk shop with you. But uh, things up here are good, man. Uh, you know, uh, as I've been telling you the last couple of days, I've got uh, two kids now. So I've, I've grown plus one since last year. And uh, one is just over a month. One is four years old. And you will probably hear from them at some point during this show. It would be a miracle if we didn't. But uh, other than that, man, life is good. Yeah, they're used to it. Mine breaks in the office all the time. And y'all have grown quite a bit. I mean, the state of Louisville, you said you're a full network now. You've got six unique shows. Uh, so, But tell me yeah. your show from the pink seats. What's the meaning behind that? Is that something yeah. in Papa John Stadium or, or what? One of the things that makes the unique, uh, makes the stadium unique is you've got chair backs. Like it's built in chairs versus in every bleachers. Seat. Every seat is a chair oh. back. Uh, and they're red. They're bright red. But over the years, they have faded significantly. Uh, but they have always been consistent. Um, obviously, it's the view from the fan side of things. So it kind of gives you the, the like the fan from the pink seats kind of means we're in the in the stands as the as the audience in the crowd. But uh, if you see a game in, in Louisville over the last 10 years, you've seen those just atrocious faded pink seats. Uh, many times, plenty of seats open to see, which made it even worse. Fans would always come in and be like, why are these seats pink? It makes no sense. The team is red. But it, it's what made it was just a unique thing for Louisville. Uh, and those those seats saw some of the most unique moments and some of the most important moments of the program in history. One of them being, I'm sorry, at uh, your all's, um, you know, at dismay in 2016 with Lamar Jackson. Uh, but yeah, so hey, the, man, the, I'll tell you what I root for Lamar every Sunday and I make up. Here's what I tell people. And like, why do you like Lamar Jackson? I'm like, because I, I I respect anyone who sticks to their dream. He was told to be a receiver. He was told yeah. to be a running back. And he, no, it's not because of any of that. It's because every touchdown he scores in the NFL justifies that loss a little bit more. So if he goes on to be a Hall of Famer, it's not as embarrassing as like if a guy who never played in the league did it to us. Right. And I respect I respect that. I've always loved <laughs> hearing opposite to fan bases Lamar Jackson story. But I feel a similar way about a Florida State player. And I get I get a lot of slack about this. A lot of fans ask me why, but I love Jameis Winston. I can't get enough, man. After I saw him in person in 2014 when they came up here and and uh, he brought Florida State back from 28 to three or 28 10, I've always been a fan of his. The the eating W's and just the crazy things he says to the to the media and the weird drills that he does. It, everything about him is just amazing, man. I love him and I cheer for him every weekend. His, his drills are probably the best part of his personality, but we got a great show tonight, folks. We are going to walk through this game. We're going to start with when Louisville has the ball, since our defense is probably the best part about the team, although it's not saying a whole lot right now. Then we're going to flip over to when we have the ball. Then we're going to have our final segment, and we'll see what we're doing when we get there. So let's start when y'all have 
the ball. The one term I would use to describe your offense is varied. Uh, you look and y'all had a clear number one receiver with Ford, but then you had 10 guys catch a pass. You had Mitchell being the main back, but you had five guys total, including him that had carries plus obviously Cunningham. Is that, I don't know how to ask this politely. Is that sure. a lot of good weapons or no real great weapons? So you have to spread it around. What, what's the, oh, where man. does that variety come You're from? You're knocking me out of my shoes here with the first question. That is a great question. And honestly, I think we're still trying to figure out that, that the answer to that, right? So Louisville came into the season losing two of arguably the best receivers they've had in the last decade and Tutu Atwell and uh, Des Fitzpatrick. Um, and so at the receiver position and tight end slash H-back, you mentioned Marshawn Ford. I'll get to him in a second. Um, they're young. They're very inexperienced, but they're talented, right? You got guys like Jordan Watkins, who's a local product here in Louisville, uh, who's a sophomore. Uh, you've got Amari Huggins-Bruce, who caught that big play against Eastern Kentucky and dropped the ball at the one-yard line in Deshaun Jackson style. Um, you've got Marshawn Ford, who plays tight end. He had his, he's coming off of a career game against Central Florida, five receptions, 100 yards. He is a touchdown machine. And then you've got guys like Justin Marshall. You've got, um, you know, you've got Isaac Martin. You've got Jalen Mitchell and Trevion Cooley out of the backfield that are catching the ball. There's guys, but there's not one guy. Um, Gunnar Brewer, the wide receivers coach for Louisville, told us over the offseason that they were going to spread the sugar around this year and that guys were going to have the opportunity to prove themselves. Um, but there was going to be a lot of them going after it. And so we've seen that so far. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, Louisville's been best when Malik Cunningham has spread the ball around. Um, yeah. The last few years with Dez and Tutu, um, he's been really, really, um, you know, uh, trying to think of the nice way to put this. He's locked on them very, very easily. And it's other guys this year, Josh Johnson, Tyler Harrell, he's got to really, um, go through his reads and find the guy that's open and, and really, uh, read what the defense is giving him. And he's not done that for a long time. Yeah. And it's surprising how well he's done with that. I mean, again, y'all definitely had a tough start against Ole Miss, but you've bounced back beating Eastern Kentucky be that what it is 30 to three. And then, you know, a huge win over probably the best of the rest, as many would call them and probably a, a future big 12 team at central Florida. And I looked at Malik's stats and, you know, he had a great game, right? 265 yards, touchdown interception. Then he got done another hundred on the ground, two more touchdowns there. He's got 200 rushing yards through three games. I, what I didn't notice because I don't know that much about football, maybe, or because I just couldn't key in on it. Is he is he more of a design runner or is that just he's great at getting out when he has to and using his legs or a little bit of both? Like, how should we expect to see him on the ground this week? You know, it, it's a little bit of both. Now, I mean, Louisville is really, really, really um, fortunate to have his ability as an athlete to improvise when he needs to. And he made several really nice plays. One of them was on fourth down against Central Florida, a key, a key conversion that kept him in the game there. Um, and he's a guy that he, he you know, He's guilty of, of taking one read occasionally and running, so being too quick to get out of the pocket. Um, but he is just so athletic. He's not Lamar Jackson, obviously, but he is the probably the second most athletic quarterback that Louisville has had, at least in my lifetime, because of his ability to, to get out of the pocket and still throw the football accurately. I will say against Central Florida and, and to an extent against Ole Miss, there were a lot of design QB draws. Um, you know, whether it was the the RPO where he had the option to run and we even saw some in a designed, you know, option play and the traditional, you know, form of this, the pitch option. We've seen him really do everything this season and for the most part, do it well. There's been a lot of criticism of him over his career just for for 
just never really being able to, to make the right play and never really being able to kind of push past the turnovers and just silly decision-making. But this season, we're really seeing a new quarterback evolve. And he's a guy I've said as a top five ACC quarterback. The stats will tell you that each of the last two seasons, but the turnovers and the inability to make the big play when it matters is what had, had kind of hampered his career. We've seen a completely transformed ability, frankly, of Florida State to rush four at a time and stay yeah. in their lanes and get vertical and keep quarterbacks in containment. Do you see if he's kept in containment, him getting sacked a decent bit, or do you think the O-line can hold up even if he's not given room to run laterally? No, I, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a real weakness of, of Louisville, even against Eastern Kentucky. When you said like, like, yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. They blew him out. Louisville struggled like mightily up front with their uh, FCS undersized, I'm talking six feet, 265 pound defensive line, rushing three, not even blitzing Louisville's offense. I, I really did, do think took a step forward on, on Friday night. Um, and you know, can they get pressure on him? Yeah. And if they do, they, they'll probably make things really difficult for the offense, but I don't know if I see that happening. Um, central Florida had a, a guy in big cat, Brian, who is just a monster. Um, and Louisville, I really, really handled him. I mean, he, he was still, don't get me wrong. He still had an impactful game, but Louisville took care of business with him. Um, and, and I think that because of that, there's confidence in believing that they'll be able to protect Cunningham on, on Saturday. Yeah, I think that'll regardless be the matchup to watch really of the whole day is just going to be the, the trenches on both sides of the ball, but primarily when y'all have it and seeing if they can bottle Cunningham up because we talked about in our preview, if we can't, his legs are deadly. And you saw that against Central Florida, again, 100 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, you saw that against... Eastern Kentucky, and even saw it to a degree against Ole Miss. So Florida State fans, look for that. Now, before we talk about when Florida State has the ball, folks, you're going to have a big weekend. you got to have the right fuel. Built Bar, talk about it all the time. By now, you're probably sick of hearing it, but if you're eating them regularly, you're not sick of that. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on or LOCK15, sorry, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. So flipping over to when we have the ball, I, I guess what really is the strength of this defense? What I saw against UCF is they seem to really live and die in that bend, don't break kind of mentality. They like to put, what, three up front quite a bit, keep mm -hmm. the offense in front of them. They were clearly wary of a, of a couple, you know, giving up a big play to Dylan Gabriel. Is that sort of the identity or do you think that was more the game plan just for that game? No, I think with that, the, the, the thing that Louisville really struggled with in weeks one and two of the season was backing their coverage off and really thinking that their front three would be a difference, difference makers and getting to the, to the quarterback and allowing them to, you know, play more of a, of a lax coverage. And what happened was, um, especially with Matt Corral, he, I mean, he just dinked and dunked. He threw seven, eight, nine yard passes, uh, and their receivers were, were good enough to take them and break them into 20 yard plays. Um, we, we saw against central Florida that there was a little bit of that, but Louisville was a, a lot more aggressive. And where I, I personally think Louisville's defense is the strongest is just their versatility. We really saw that against central Florida, the number of guys that they can play and the positions that they can play them at. Uh, Brian Brown normally will play in, in a base three, four, but we saw a lot more um, four corners, uh, you know, three corners and two safeties, sometimes even three safeties out on the field. Um, we would see four or five linebackers. I mean, he really did some unique things in coverage and being able to really switch it up. And it helps when you have guys like Monty Montgomery 
CJ Avery, who are two, I, I would call them undersized linebackers, but they're fast as get out, man. These guys are burners. Uh, and so when you have guys who can get hats on the ball quickly, um, it allows you to kind of do some different things, send different blitzes. The pass rush has picked up. The, the front three has finally started to improve. Um, and it's shown that the, the linebackers, in my opinion, are the strength of this team. Uh, but the secondary is right there with them. Control Clark is the first team um, All-American in the ACC, I'd imagine, and maybe even will be an All-American nationally. Um, and then you have uh, transfers, Kendrick Duncan and Q Cole. Kendrick Duncan came from Georgia Southern. Q Cole is from Alcorn State. Those guys have, have been crazy good uh, at keeping the big play. And, and Q Cole had ar- arguably the, the play of the game outside of the um, interception at the very end, obviously. Uh, a, a key play that would have been a walk-in touchdown had he not dove fully out and uh, and gotten a pass break up. Yeah, so it's really interesting to me trying to evaluate this matchup because y'all play defense the way we play offense. UCF averaged 6.7 yards a play. You take out their five touchdowns, it was all the way down to 5.5 yards a play. I think this is going to be a matchup of can y'all avoid the chunk plays and can we, on the you know on the other hand, find more small successes versus just relying on 50, 60, 70 yard chunk plays. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing with Louisville's defense. It, that's been the issue under Brian Brown. And it really goes all the way back to Peter Sermon, Brian Van Gorder, defensive coordinators before them, the big play has just been a killer for him. I mean, th- they've been a meme the last several years just because of their inability to have anyone within the, the frame on TV. Like it's crazy. Um, and they've gotten better this year at making sure that doesn't happen. Um, and when it does, it's a lot of it is because of, you know, missed tackles. It's because a guy is out of position just slightly. Um, so you, you, you have confidence that they can fix those things with film, that they can see what they're doing wrong and improve. But the thing is, you know, does Florida state have a quarterback who can take advantage of that? That's the thing right. that uh, you, you know, I, you would know better than I would. Um, but the, the quarterbacks who have taken advantage of that are, uh, you know, I know Dylan Gabriel's done for the season, but those are two Heisman contenders type of guys. Yep. Uh, so is is Cheba Purdy or uh, Mackenzie Milton going to be able to do that? Jordan Travis, like, are those guys going to be able to test the defense? I'm not 100% sure of that. I, I don't think to the level that they would need to to win that game. Um, but they are, Louisville will give up a big play if you let them. Uh, you know, catch them on a, a second down and seven where they, they're expecting you to run and you, you throw a play action pass down the field. You might catch them slipping every once in a while. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I expect. I will say, you know, if Jordan Travis were healthy, plays the whole game, I think he is the best matchup against this team, just given what we saw Dylan Gabriel do. That being said, I don't think he's going to play. Maybe he suits up. I hope he gets out there. But this goes into my last question for this segment is, we have some great running backs back there. So yeah. how do y'all look against the run? Because I, I got the feeling UCF, y'all were bottling up their run, got a lot of great stops, but they're they're not known for a great running game. They're a group of five team. They're more that outside sweep trickeration run game. You know, what's interesting. So they have a running back who will probably end up being drafted. He got hurt within the first couple of plays of the game. Isaiah Bowser. Um, he, I mean, he was going to have a, a big game if he didn't gotcha. get hurt and they switched, they went up to uh trillion Coles who, you know, when you, when you go to the backups and at a non-power five school, I mean, you can see pretty quickly the town drop off. Um, and not to say he's not a good player. He was, he was, he had several great runs. They had another running back. I think Johnny Richardson was his name. Um, and they gave up, you say bottled the bottled up the run. I don't know if I would go that, that far to say that because they gave up a lot of big plays in the run game. I mean, there was 12, 13, 14, you know, seven, eight, nine yard runs left and right. Um, and it, and it was because I think Louisville was selling out on the pass a little bit more. 
but but still, I, I do think that Louisville, in terms of the the run defense, is is that's kind of I don't know if I'd say it's their weakness, but um, teams have taken advantage of it. Oh, Lane, well, I shouldn't say Lane Kiffin; he wasn't there on the sidelines, but Ole Miss took advantage of that. Um, Eastern Kentucky really kind of tried to uh, throw the football more so than run. Um, but central Florida did incorporate the running game in there. It looks good at times. And, and I, 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 everybody, when you talk about Florida state this week, the question is how much better will the run defense be? And can they, can they stop what Florida state is really good at? Yeah, exactly. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. If you look at the UCF game, UCF had 212 yards of rushing again, admittedly, I watched the condensed game and they usually cut out the more the little, yeah, parts, they right. take eight, the seven, eight, nine, six yard runs exactly. that in, in a drive where, you know, you're, you're trying to, to get them off the field on second down. I mean, Louisville would uh, several times in that game, first down, first down, first down, first down. I mean, there would be times where, where Central Florida had four first downs in a row. You catch Louisville in those plays, man. And I'm telling you, Florida State's running back is going to have opportunities to go six, seven, eight, nine yards. And the way you beat Louisville is then come back through with the passing game. And, and that's where it's going to kind of, I, I think it's really going to hinge on Saturday is what does the big play look like? Um, does Louisville at least slow down the running game a little bit? Because I, and I, forgive me, I do not know his name, but the running back, I watched the Notre Dame game. Uh, Sean Corbin. Yeah, I was impressed. I mean, yeah, they always have monster. running backs. I mean, I know they're not the Dalvin Cooks of the world anymore, but like, you know, they, they, they've got, you guys have had backs for years and it's like one gets hurt. Oh, okay. Here's another five-star one gets hurt. Here's another four-star. Yeah. yeah. For your, for your listeners that may be joining us, Jay Sean Corbin, he was a gamble by this staff. He went to Texas A&M highly rated four-star, I believe tore his hamstring. I mean, we're seeing, hey, two years of rehab has finally paid off. He can run hard. Treshawn Ward is another guy to look for out of the backfield. We call them Tushan. Is their their couple name? They are a good dynamic duo. Yeah, Treshawn and Jayshon. Uh, so they're Tushan, and they're they're both big. They both run hard, and they're physical. We've got a guy named Toa Philly who you'll see a decent bit. He's more of a scat back, needs to put on size, and it, I think he was held last game to like 2.2 yards to carry, but that is the strength of our team is, is the running game. So it'll be interesting to see how those line up. Now, before we get into a couple of things, I want to know about things about Louisville. I want to talk Scott Satterfield for a moment sure. uh, and then we'll get out of here. But folks, tomorrow we've got the same present for you. We have every Saturday, Danny Domino coming on for the cleverly named Danny's Dominoes. He'll give you the locks. He'll give you the super dogs and he'll give you the bankroll builders. You can only take advantage of it though. If you go to betonline.ag, make your account, use promo code locked on to get a welcome bonus. It's free money, free picks. All you got to do is type in what Danny tells you, sit back, collect your winnings, and I don't know, buy your wife something nice. She deserves it. I can't agree more. Buy your wife something <laughs> nice. And then she'll let you watch football again next week. She'll love it. <laughs> So, yeah, man, uh, last things I kind of want to get into, because we like to explore the schools we're going to play beyond just what's going to happen on the field. Because the cool thing about college football is it's not just fan bases. It's right. schools. It's cultures almost, like communities. Mm. What is something that pops into your head when you think of game day at Louisville that you feel like is pretty unique to your university or your tailgating culture, or your food culture? Like, if I were to go to Louisville when I, when I come next year, what will I see that will go, oh, that's cool. I haven't seen that before. It's the drinking here, man. You know, we were the home of bourbon. Exactly. Like, that's what we do. I, you, you take a, you know, you take a, your, your finest fifth out there. You set up shop at 12 o'clock and you go all the way up until game time, man. And then when you go in, you get half price beers before the game starts. You get some Texas Roadhouse peanuts and you go to your seat and you just start drinking and you drink the whole game. Like, that's just what you do. And by the end of the game, you might be 
crying or you might be, you know, having the person sitting next to you holding you because it was that type of environment. You just never know. I think that's just, it's the unpredictability of Cardinal Stadium. Who knows what you're getting? It's a cool place. And let me ask you now about the man of the hour, Scott Satterfield. I was a big Satterfield fan. Not sure I feel about him these days. And for our listeners that don't follow Louisville that closely, he basically, what, took an interview at South Carolina last year. The job ended up going to Beamer's son. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, like, lie about it, didn't try to hide it, and basically just said, yeah, well, if I was offered it, I would have gone there to be closer to my family. It, how did fans take that? Yeah, so the whole situation, there were so many layers to it because there was a report initially that he was going to, and then it got shot down, but it turned out that he actually was interviewing, and then he came back. And that's when, um, you know, fans had heard about it and, and then it was kind of shot down. And then a week or two after the season's over, he's interviewing again. And this is where you get the whole thing about his parents wanting to be, you know, take the opportunity. He wasn't ever going to take the job, but he just wanted to listen and see what they had to say because his parents lived, you know, 60 miles away. Um, and, and there's a lot of blame that goes on his agent. Scott Satterfield is new to the power five game. I think his agent tried to negotiate and get a, some leverage against Vince Tyra, the, the athletic director at Louisville. And it just really backfired after a four and seven season. There's one thing Louisville fans don't like. It's when their coaches take interviews somewhere else, especially after a four and seven football season. Um, and, and so there was a lot of, of goodwill that had to be earned back with the fan base. And, you know, part of the reason the, the fans were, aren't sure of him is because of this, this vanilla offense that he has brought to Louisville. It was billed as being a high power run offense, a lot of yards, a lot of big plays. Uh, and it's just not worked out that way. It, it, they've had their moments of, of brilliance. They've had their moments of just looking absolutely terrible. Um, but but defenses have figured it out pretty quickly. They have pressed Louisville to make adjustments. Satterfield has not made those adjustments. And after the Ole Miss game, fans wanted him out, man. And, and I, I told you this before we started recording, had Louisville lost to Central Florida, the noise around the Louisville program would have significantly picked up of fans calling for him to be fired. You would have seen – Fans stopped going to games. You would have seen um, just a a, a fan saying, you know what? We were right about him all along. I don't know if he's a good enough head coach to coach in the ACC. Um, But, uh, you know, unlike Louisville fans, I think the man needs time to figure it out. He needs a a full season before we make any kind of crazy judgments. And then we'll go from there. If he's not the guy, you move on. You know, there's options. You're Louisville. You can go out and hire a good football coach. Um, You know, sometimes you just have to say it doesn't work out. But so far, I'm willing to say I've seen enough to let's see some more. Yeah. I think this year for y'all is, you know, for us, it's, it's a full rebuild. I think for y'all it's, can you get onto the shelf from which you can kind of launch into that next level? And it'll be interesting to see if that campaign starts Saturday or if we're able to wake up glad we were able to preview it. Jake, thanks for stopping by, man, guys, go check out the state of Louisville.com, the whole network, all six shows. I'm glad I now know about the pink seats. So when I get there next year, I'm not like, what the heck happened? They're red now. So you oh, never know. Do they paint them red? They painted them. They painted them red. Fans got well, tired of Well, in six years, them. they'll be pink again, and it'll it'll be great for everyone. But we appreciate having you, man, guys. That was Jacob Lane of the State of Louisville.com. I'm your host, Max, and this was Locked On Seminoles. Oh, man, that was awesome. Awesome. It's, it's going to be interesting.